Coming to you from the Black Swan Media Studios, this is Fireside Chats, talking to the real difference makers in the world. Now, here is your host, John Crump. Happy Monday. It's a Monday before Halloween. Uh, hope everyone has their costumes. Our counters don't ever work. I don't know why. But yeah, hope everyone has their costumes. I'm going to go as Bowser because my kids want me to and I have no choice. Uh, my kids say something. My name is John Crump. I am the director for the state of Virginia for Gun Owners of America. And I am an investigative journalist with Amoland.com. I'm going to be bringing you some hard-hitting facts today. And because it is Halloween and I was thinking about dressing up as a leprechaun, um, I have a uh, clover tack on. I was going to be you for Halloween, by the way. Uh, you're I'm muted. I'm okay with it. Just got to pay me a royalty, you know? It's all good. Uh, but all that royalty money, man. You probably make a killing on royalty money. Bunches, man. Loads. Truck loads. <laughs> I, I bet. Right, so, how you doing? Not terrible. You watched two A rally? Uh, yeah, I moderated the two A rally, so yeah. I guess you count could count that as watching it. I guess maybe. Yeah, I joined you for a little bit. Um, I missed a bunch of the two A rally because I was at a uh, Cub Scout camp. Mm -hmm. it just happened, you know. Kids are my kids are very very important to me, so I have to do stuff for them. Plus, I'm. I'm a uh, pack leader. Hmm. So yeah, we, we need... shot BB guns and stuff. Oh, cool. I was proud of my son. He uh, was able to uh, hit the bullseye quite a bit. A really weird thing happened, though. I was going in to shoot BBs with him. And the one of the guys that were running the BB range, he looks at our names. We had like, you, it wasn't a walk up this year. You actually had to sign up because of a COVID. Mm -hmm. He was like, "Yeah, I guess your dad's not gonna can, can it, What do you say? I guess you're not gonna need a lot of instruction for us. Your dad can handle that." So I looked at the guy like, "Do I know you?" He's like, "I read your stuff on Ammo Land." Nah. <laughs> kind of weird. You had a stalker. <laughs> have you ever have that ever happened to you? Yep. Yeah. Weird. I don't know I if I told the story with you. I, it was. Uh, I think I was coming back from, I think, NRA in Dallas. So that's what, a couple of years ago. I was headed back from that, stopped in this little one-horse podunk town, had to go to the bathroom, you know, basically. So uh whipped it there to this little gas station. It wasn't a, just a hole-in-the-wall place. wasn't a big place. Whipped it there, and uh, it was a guy outside smoking. And so I noticed he was kind of looking at me weird. You know, wasn't no big deal. I was carried. I didn't worry about it. Ran in, went to the bathroom, come out of the bathroom. That guy's behind the counter at this point. And he's still kind of eyeballing me. And I go over and I get a drink and I get some, some a couple of things. I'm I'm not terrible to go in and use a restroom, especially a small place like that, not buy something. So forgot what I bought, but bought a few little things. <clears throat> went up to the counter and uh like I said, he was eyeballing me weird. It was just weird feeling. And so I put it on the counter and he's like, is that all you need? And I'm like, yeah, it'll do it. He says, don't worry about it. And I'm like, 
excuse me? He's like, uh, you're Clover Tack, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, man, I'll watch you at Ghost Tactical, G-Webs all the time. Like, okay. I'm like, are you sure? It was like a drink and, I don't know, a bag of chips or it was something. He's like, no, yeah, man, I got it. Don't worry about it. Appreciate it. It's like, okay, cool. So I left. I thought, okay, that was weird. That was weird for sure. Yeah, it is kind of weird. So I'm going to let you in on a little secret of about an article that I'm dropping tomorrow. Okay, we're always game for that. There is, um, in, in Alabama, there is a law that says, um, well, it's a national law. The Alabama Concealed Carry Permit meets the requirements for the national law to allow gun buyers to buy a gun with their concealed carry permit in lieu of a NICS check. The ATF sent a letter saying, saying, you know, we're not going to allow Alabama to do that because some sheriffs were using NCIC instead of NICS, even though they, they're the same database. This mm-hmm. one is for law enforcement, one's for gun background checks. Right. So sheriffs are running them, same database, just through a different interface, basically. Uh, so they did that, even though the Alabama law clearly states that they, they're supposed to use NICS. So the ATF said, hey, you can't do that anymore you, because of these sheriffs until until they recall all the permits and run 60,000 new NIC check, NICS checks. And then we will consider it if you prove to us that you are cracking down on these sheriffs, basically. So uh, there's a case called Lee versus Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. Lee, with the help of GOA, sued uh, the ATF and the Department of Justice over this because it, the CHP in Alabama meets the requirements, and they're doing. And the ATF's going after like Michigan and all these other states uh, that allow people to do that, even though it's very clear in the law that they're allowed to do that. Well, I was able to uncover documents that shows the uh, chief of counsel of DOJ, Eric Epstein told Curtis Gilbert, Marvin Richardson, um, and a few other ATF people that, hey, we're going to get sued because of this because we're not allowed to do this. <laughs> uh, one of the people, one of like the big people um, said, we basically don't care. Well, Which is kind of death. Yeah, they're like, oh, we don't care. Uh, I'll, I'll read you the quote from Kyle Lowensack, who at the time was the chief of uh, Firearms Industry Programs Branch, FIB, FIB, uh, FIB-B, if you, if you guys are in the know. Uh, to Epstein's warning, he wrote, even if the litigation risk, even if it is a litigation risk, it is worth per- pursuing based on public safety mm. and uh, Chrissy Carlson, who's another big wig at ATF for litigation risk is going to be the least of our concerns. So the ATF knew that they were going to get sued. Right. And they did it anyway. It's like a bunch of kids, man. It really is. That'll push and push just to see what they can get away with. And 
So that's that's a clear example of what's going on. They're just trying to see what they can get away with. I mean, if they can maybe get it in a more uh, precedent-minded, you know, liberal-leaning court or something like that. But I don't think that's probably the case with the court they would go into, right? No, they're getting they're getting sent in multiple states because of this. Um, ah. Another thing is the people who made the decision were the same people that made the decision on the queue, Honey Badger, and all the pistol brief stuff. That's a mess, man. I mean, I need to talk with you off air. I'm kind of curious about some of the backstory because uh, I know it's come out since I was talking about some of the missteps with Q that, that Q did that potentially opened the door uh, for the action against them. The, you know, supposedly now there's other there's other companies, but everybody is saying that. But then nobody's coming forward, and nobody is saying that who it is. And the problem uh, that I have, let me finish first. Oh, yeah, Sorry. Problem I have with a lot of these channels and a lot of these people and a lot of these reporters is they come out and they go, "Oh, I've got a private source." Well, the left does that all the time, that they've got a secret source. And so, how do we know that this isn't people stoking flames that where flames don't actually exist. So I'm, I'm all about being open and transparent. And so if there are other companies and they need to be pressured to actually come forward and go public with it. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I can't tell my source is because they're deeply embedded in the ETF and there's actually multiple sources. And I was also able to confirm. Oh, wait a minute. But time out. Let me, because I want to break this down just a second. So you said that your source is embedded in ATF. That's great. But so you've got a source in the ATF that is saying that there's other companies involved. But yet, where the, my point is not the ATF. My point is where are the other companies? If this is happening to them, why aren't they saying something like Q was saying? I can tell you exactly why. Um, I actually found out exactly why. Uh, they're working through the NSSF to try to work amicably, amicably with the ATF. Okay. And so Q just wanted to stir a pot, basically. Well, Q basically thought that there's no way the ATF is going to reverse this without public pressure. Yeah. Where well, the did you... they, well, they don't do themselves. Is there, is there potentially a difference with Q, and you don't have to out your sources or do anything like this by answering that, but is there potentially an issue with Q because Q didn't really follow procedure to the letter, and so there, there was some, it may be some issues with Q there that was relevant, whereas with the other companies it wasn't? No, it's based uh, what they were just looking at. Uh, Looking for a company to looking for companies to target. Uh, Curtis Gilbert, who is one of the big wigs at the ATF, uh, has a and also Marvin Richardson. They both have a huge dislike for uh, specifically the SBA three and SBA four. Mm -hmm. But uh, SB Tactical been working with the Justice Department, and the Justice Department told the ATF. Their industry side, because you know the ATF has industry and criminal, not to go after this. So they went after these other companies because of Q's, not Q, uh, SB Tactical's direct involvement with the just Justice Department over trying to 
clear up this stuff. So they knew they couldn't go after SB Tactical. So they went after companies that license designs from SB Tactical. Okay. So it was just, so it was the licensing side of things. So what you're saying? Well, no, it was the criminal side that went after them. The licensing side was not able to go after them. But the reason why but they the didn't... licensing was the fa was a factor is what you're saying. Yeah, they, they they were their actual target is SP Tactical, really. Okay, uh, but they can't go after SP Tactical. So SP Tactical is working directly. They, you know, it's very confusing. Let's be. I'm going to play devil advocate a little bit, and let's be intellectually honest about this whole pistol brace thing. So the pistol brace came out, was invented, got ATF approval because, oh, well, it is it can help people that are disabled. Maybe you've lost an arm, maybe you whatever the case may be. Right. Um, so it's it's a lot of the same uh, ways that you see crossbow hunting in archery season. Now it's like, well, people that are disabled, it makes it easier on them. So we went from that to, oh, everybody's going to use it because of the disability caveat. And then we've morphed now from that into the wide array of adjustability and all kinds of crazy things on it. It's not just designed for a disability purpose anymore. It's widespread and in common use now. So we've took something to where, oh, here's a loophole. We'll, 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 we can set a loophole with or create a loophole under the guise of disability. And then now we can take it all the way down here to the other end. So in a way, We've done as the as a firearm community, industry, whatever, we've done what we accuse the left of doing all the time, which is taking something and then going way too far with it. And again, yeah. I play I play a devil's advocate here, but if you're being intellectually honest, that's what we've done with pistol braces. Yeah, I mean the, the ATF base uh, one of their quotes that I got from an internal meeting was um it was from Curtis Gilbert who said, you know, the, you know, they've gone way over the line, mm -hmm. but here's the thing. They have approval for these designs and now you're going to go back and say, right. These designs, you know, no, I agree. I agree with that. They should have been, it should have been turned down in the first place. You know, they should have said, no, I mean, there's the ATF should have established if they were going to establish that line. Actually, well, actually, actually, legislators, if, if we're going to establish any lines or any definitions, that really falls upon our elected representatives. Well, and here, here's another thing that I found out. It really depends on who you get as your reviewer of what is allowed. Certain right. companies were told that it had to have a nylon strap around there and it has to be uh, like rubber, nibble yep. rubber. Yep. Then another company, I'm not going to name companies' names, of course, submitted a design without a nylon strap and a hard plastic, the same that's made from stocks. And they got approval where the other company was told, you have to have this. Yep. There's no really set guidelines. Yeah, so it depends on who you get. And I think that should have been taken care of a long time ago. Yeah. That's what for the past nine months, the, the DOJ and the ATF, Interesting. I have been working on with with companies like SP Tactical. Well, I, I think what a lot of the just everyday people out there that you know they say, oh well, the ATF says pistol braces is okay. Well, maybe. And that's the thing is that all of this time 
there's really been nothing. You're right. There's been nothing definitive on it. It's been a, well, maybe, but our whole community has acted like, oh, well, the ATF says this is perfectly fine. Well, no, the- I mean, when it first started, when it first started, the ATF, uh, was it SIG at the time? The SIG brace? The and SIG brace was made by SB Tactical. And they, and they applied for the ATF, and the ATF gave them an opinion on that. And they were shipping that out in the boxes with the brace to the end user. But the problem is those opinion letters don't apply to the end user. Not ultimately. Could that potentially help if something come down and you had that at least saying that somebody? Yeah, but but because you've got an opinion letter that says it's okay for this person to do X, Y, and Z doesn't mean it's okay for you to do it. And that's the problem is because it's an opinion, it's not legislation. And so the equal application, which is the inconsistencies you're talking about, the equal application has become the problem. It's there is a huge, huge president that that states those opinion level love uh, the opinion letters do filter down to. I mean, the courts have said that they have. Okay. Um, again, again, now we're falling to precedent. So because we jump all over leftist judges because they rule on precedent. Now we're claiming that, oh, well, there's precedent. So again, I, I've got, we've got in my point, and, and I love the conversation here because the back and forth with you and me, I love you. And I, I do this just to be annoying more than anything, but the, it, it proves my point that there's inconsistencies on both sides of all of this. And well, until, it, until we've got, definitive legislation or we've got something to to hang our hat on definitive court rulings uh which again go back to precedent unfortunately we need a court ruling that but flat out says these are covered under the second amendment anything less than that is going to be precedent and we're right back where we started well precedent is something that's used in court everywhere and has always has been i've never been one to jump on hey you can't use that what is it? But is it precedent for the sake of being precedent, or is it precedent because the original ruling was based on the Constitution? Because there's a difference. If you've got a non-constitutional ruling of some sort that is thrown out in thrown not thrown out, but upheld in court, and they say, "Oh well, you know, so and so, we believe blah blah blah," but there's really no constitutional basis for it. But then you've got years and years and years and years and years of court cases that go back to that original verdict which wasn't constitutionally founded then it's purely based on precedent it's my point is it's not based on the constitution it's not like it goes back and it says well so-and-so court said these were covered under the second amendment period unfortunately that's that's the world that we live in and that has been accepted for case law for a couple hundred years so (laughs) Yeah, you know, you no, I agree. It's it's annoying. And like I said, I'm I'm just I'm trying to be annoying. I'm trying to be the thorn in the side and get you worked up and get everybody out there in the chat worked up on this. Because it is. It's not clear cut. It's not black and white. You know, can we sit here and say disband the ATF and we don't need to get rid of them and our problems are solved for the most part? Yeah, it would be because then and instead of your bureaucracy, legislators would have to write laws or regulations or whatever bills on this stuff. Right. Uh, and they couldn't rely on the political cover of, of a faceless bureaucracy, faceless, non-representative democracy. I mean, uh, uh, bureaucracy. 
it's not, I mean, the thing with the ATF is you got to remember the heads are usually appointed by the pres- president of the United States. Mm-hmm. The heads of the ATF are not right now. Um, they, sh- they should be, but uh, Trump has not been able to get any nomination nominees through. So right now you have like Regina and like Marvin Richardson, who's the head of ATF and they and they are, they're, they're both Democrats. And so both- why? So I got to ask you this. Why? Why? In, and I'm sure you've covered it or talked to some people. Why hasn't Trump gotten his picks for that? What's happened? It's been four years. Why? One of the he did try to nominate one person, but that person honestly would, would, would not have been any better. It, they, he nominated uh who did Trump nominate for the ATF? Well, he I was, know he did. I, I mean, I hear, I hear that he's did, but I mean, it, why don't we hear about this? Why isn't there, why for four years has, uh, you know, has a president, especially when he's got the Senate, why, why does a president is still dealing with leftover heads of bureaucracy? Why? It makes, yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> Do what? Canterbury, I think that his name was. You're gonna have to ask Trump that. Canterbury. Well, I know Trump's answer. Trump's answer is gonna be the same as what he told us four years ago, which is the eight-year assault on your Second Amendment rights is over, which we all know is a crock at this yeah. point. So when he said that, and then taking it hindsight's 2020 and looking that he hasn't pressed to get the ATF, the heads of the ATF replaced, he had no intention of alleviating the second the the assault to our second amendment rights when he took office he bamboozled everybody and he played you into voting for it yeah unfortunately this year uh, i think it would be a lot worse if uh biden harris gets, gets in there. i'm not i'm not saying either way i'm not trying to influence anybody's vote i'm just stating a fact yeah, we've got we more were- gun control under Trump than we did eight years under Obama, and Trump made direct promises that he did not keep. Trump also had both houses of Congress for two years while he was president, could have rammed through anything and, and everything that he wanted to. The Senate bucked him on all of it, or the Senate actually bucked the House on all of it, so nothing was able to get through. So I'm just pointing out facts here. I'm not saying go vote for one over the other. No, well, what I'm, what I'm talking about the Harris and Biden thing. In in regards to the pistol brace thing, they didn't make a move on pistol braces a year ago. Actually, since like 2017, they started talking about it. 2019, they started talking about it a lot. But uh, in, in the meetings, they talked about how they didn't have enough political capital to make a move on pistol braces. Mm-hmm. They are stating now behind closed doors and closed door conversations that I have I, uh, I, I I know of. Let's just put it that way. Um, right. I have to be kind of like vague with that stuff because I don't want to out my sources because, you know, they are, com- I'm not committing a crime by reporting on it, but they are kind of committing a crime by leaking it. Um, uh, they said, they believe that if Biden gets elected, they will have the political capital to move on braces. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, I can guarantee you that's why there's a six month delay. To well, the letter. And that's another reason that there was, and you may know more about this because you may have some backstory that you couldn't, you weren't allowed to talk about or whatever, but word on the street, let's just say, uh, is that Q 
knew that something was up months before they got the thing from the ATF. So what that tells me is that the ATF ran by Obama holdovers waited until October because October, what do we get in October of election years? Anybody, anybody out there? October surprises. They waited till October to do this, to try to disenfranchise voters when it comes to voting for Trump. You're um, right. And have, the, 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 the weirdness about all of this, where this falls on me, is they're saying, okay, let's do this to try to disenfranchise the gun vote from Trump. But yet the gun vote doesn't have any better option with Biden-Harris. And the whole JoJo spike thing is obviously not going to work out. And we're disenfranchised with Trump already. So I don't, I don't get the, I don't get the play. I understand the play from a political, purely political perspective, but I don't get the play realistically. Yeah. uh, The ATF thinks that every gun owner is a Trump voter and these people, uh, Marvin Richardson, the, I, you're going to hear me say that name a lot when I talk about the ATF because Regina's the head of it, but it seems like Marvin Richardson is the more rabid anti, mm-hmm. you know, left-leaning guy that doesn't like guns, even though he yeah. runs an organization based well, on guns. And and let's um, let's make something clear right quick since we're since we're dogging on the ATF here because uh, just on the off chance I got friends that are agents that are watching this i'm not talking about you guys no Uh, let's let's make it very clear here that when we're talking about an agency a bureaucracy like this we're talking about thousands of people hundreds if not thousands of people all of them are not political operatives or mama holdovers or beholden to anything other than the law and that sort of thing um so Many of you out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you may know, have relationships, maybe friends with, family members, whatever, that are ATF field agents, work in regional offices, so forth and so on, that are really good people. And if you reach out and contact them with any kind of problem or whatever, they will do their best to help you out. So just want to caveat with that real quick. Yeah, absolutely. You don't find uh, the problem with the ATF in the rank and file. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Actually, I find most of the rank and file agents are actually gun people. Yeah. And thankfully, that's thankfully so. Right. Because if the heads delegate things down and then depending on the politics of the situation and other things, that may or may not get done as it as those orders go down the chain. So uh, they're, they're definitely the rank and file like you're talking about of the ATF does help help give us a little bit of cushion and a little bit of cover on stuff for sure. We would be in big trouble, I think, if it was all appointed and all, let's say, Obama holdovers. Yeah, like one thing that I'll tell you that no one knows because I haven't read an article on it yet, but uh, they have these child safety flyers at all the gun stores. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a memo came down to all the IOIs, which are the people that go in there, to look for that um, and make sure that they're in a prominent place. And if not, find them. So basically you can have it on your counter and stuff and these guys can go in there and look at it and using their own judgment say, 
hey, that's not in a prominent place. Here's a fine or whatnot. But a lot of the agents, I don't think, actually do that. No, I mean, as long as, long as they're there, uh, that's this whole notion. I kind of got into it recently with uh, the whole change up of the 4473 and the 4473 in general, first of all. And, and let me let me be clear. I, I did a video not too long ago talking about a new rifle I picked up in the Gun Control Act of 1968. Not a fan. Uh, NFA of 34, not a fan. Repeal them both. I'm on board with that. Horrible pieces of legislation across the board. Um, especially GCA of 1968, affected the manufacturing sector, affected the consumer, affected the dealers, affected the, the uh, what am I thinking, raw material supply chain, affected importation, ridiculous amount of legislation with that. Um, where, was I, where was I going with this? Um, but pe- people get worried about the 4473, about it being a de facto registration and all that kind of stuff. And especially now, because ATF agents can go in and they can snap a picture of just one page, email that to some data processing center that then puts all that information in, blah, 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 blah. And I'm here to tell you, I'm friends with numerous FFL in the area. Uh, I know the field agents and whatnot here. They don't do stuff like that. Um, so to say to say that they're going to get the ATF to do X, Y, and Z and create a de facto registry with 140,000 some odd FFL dealers that are out there in this country um, is a little bit silly to think that logistically they're going to make that happen. It would be the same as saying, well, they're going to use the National Guard or the military to come confiscate firearms. So is it possible? Sure, anything's possible. The sky could fall tonight and a big asteroid hit or whatever. It's possible. Is it plausible? And is and more importantly, is it logistical? Uh, no. I mean, as you pointed out, with the makeup of the rank and file uh, agents and, and that sort of stuff, you know, I just don't see it happening. We got to be oh, vigilant about stuff like that, but I don't see it happening. It, it has happened on a small on a smaller scale. I know uh, about a year ago or two years ago, I uh, was able to receive pictures from the ATF of copies of bound books that uh, some agents took. Okay. So, yeah, but for what purposes did they give any reason as to why they took them? Because they can do that under the guise of investigation, whether that's a criminal investigation with a certain firearm that was made, a request that was made from a local law enforcement that we need some information on this, whether or not it was malfeasance or malpractice or whatever you want to call it on the part of the FFL dealer. Uh, IOIs aren't allowed to do criminal investigations. There's no reason for them to take a picture of a bound book. In fact, they're not supposed to. Okay, so they can't, so they're not, that's never been a question that I've asked any one of them. So they can't be tasked with going and doing this by a superior. A superior says, hey, you're going in to do this check. We've got legally timing, 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 coincidence meshes up. We've got a local law enforcement agency that's needing X, Y, and Z. Can you get this while you're there? So that doesn't happen, what you're saying. It's not supposed to. Okay, well then forbidden from doing it but so, they have, they have. so my question with you where this happened what state was it in new jersey okay new jersey has a registry already though correct but that is correct okay so so in a sense who cares it's a wash because new jersey has a registry already but but, but if you find it in one place it's going to be happening in other places and i'm not saying that all agents do that i'm just saying yeah. that there are 
I'm just want to caveat saying that there are bad agents out there and there's good agents out there. Well, I'm just saying if you've got an agent that's that's going circumventing and going above and beyond, maybe it was because there was a state registry already and in a more free state where that wasn't the case, like let's say here in Texas, it would be more noticeable on the radar where it's like, where did you get this information? You're not supposed to be getting it that way. Well, he would have a, a cop out or a scapegoat the other way to be able to say, oh, well, you know, I just did want to go through all of that mess to get to the same point. Uh, Joe Drag has an interesting question. That, um, why did they change the, the, the 4473s? Why do you think so? Me? Yeah. They changed the forms. How many times have they changed the forms since the forms came out? It's been a bunch. It's been several. Yeah. And every single time it has to do a lot of what they claim. And I know this to be true because I was working with, uh, again, I worked with a lot of FFL dealers and stuff uh, in the area and all that. I was working with a pawn shop and especially with NFA stuff, uh, the uh, amount of errors, and we're talking about employee level errors we're not talking about me filling out the 4473 wrong i can fill out a 4473 by hand in less than 30 seconds and it'd be completely accurate um that's how many guns i bought not buy it's just that easy um but there are people you'd be surprised that mess things up so uh not just the end the end user the consumer that's filling them out messing them up but then also there's issues big issues where employees again remember we've got 140,000 plus or something like that ffl dealers in the united states each one of them has employees that has their hands on the books so we have over 140,000 people right that are administering these forms right some may be just solo operations i get it but some may be something like academy or bass pro where you've got literally dozens if not hundreds of people under that one ffl dealer handling this paperwork doing this doing that and so you've got bean counters that say okay we've got an x number uh we've got a certain number of errors that occur like this this particular error happens all the time and so let's shift this here or let's add this question or let's reword this this way um, there's little tweaks that they do in order to alleviate those errors. So that's, that's a reason. I'm not saying that's the reason, but I'm saying that's a reason. Yeah. I, th I, th I think you might be right there. Uh, one of the things that I've never understood about the ATF and I've actually written about this, a lot of the rules and regulations that they have for dealers aren't public. Mm -hmm. which means this is what we look for. And this is the punishment if you find it. Correct. And they don't share that even with the dealers. Um, I released uh, their book where, where uh, I read Emily and I got my hands on the copy of their actual IOI book where they look for it and what the punishments will be. And they flipped their lid when we release that. But here's my question to you. Why keep it a secret of what they look for and like, and like what they consider a violation, a major violation, a minor violation, and whatnot? Because it's amb ambiguity in the ambiguity in a contract, which is going to benefit the person who wrote the contract. So it 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 gives them more control. Now I'm not. That's not the answer you're looking for, and that's certainly not right. I'm but, not looking for any specific answer. I'm just so, yeah. 
Yeah, it gives them more more unilateral control to be able to handle things because there are instances. Um, I know instances where there's been some really just like anything else. I mean, if we're going to be honest, we got to be honest. There's been some really crappy FFL dealers out there um, doing some really shady things, some really gray area things, but they were within the bounds of the law, basically. So. I don't know. Maybe they do it so that they've got this little, these little nitpicky things in case they get some kind of a shady dealer or something out there. They could do something, you know, something about it. Again, and I don't support any of that because we're talking about a bureaucracy having that power, and that's wrong. Yeah. I don't like the ambiguity of the ETF where nope. there's no clear line. I am okay with rules. I am okay with regulations. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying take away all freedom and, and all that. Okay, maybe I am. You caught me, right? I'm a big liberal. No, that's not what I'm saying. But it's just like if you're going to play baseball, if you're going to play kickball, dodgeball, basketball, whatever, what are the rules? You're going to shoot pool. You're going to play a video game. Whatever it is, right? What, a shooting competition. What are the rules? I want to know the rules. I want to be black and white. I want to clearly understandable i want a, a way to ask questions and i also want recourse in case i feel that the rules have been arbitrarily uh unfairly whatever enforced right um i like that i like that definition with things now again i'm not getting into saying that they need to take away all freedom all freedoms and dictate anything and everything to us but yes if there is going to be legislation and regulation which currently there is then either we need to get rid of it all together which is preferred of course hashtag repeal the nfa hashtag repeal the gca hashtag repeal hughes so forth and so on uh, or you need to get busy you need to clearly define all of this draw those lines in the sand and then we need to move on that way dealers manufacturers like q and the others whoever it might be know the rules, know the bounds that they're allowed to play in, period. And yeah. then there's not, when we go back to the Q issue and the braces and how it's went from here to here over the course of a decade with the design of braces and everything else, that eliminates that from happening because they say, here's the guidelines, here's the links, here's the weights, here's all of this stuff. But again, you go back to that needs to be legislated not dictated by bureaucracy, if that's going to happen. If those lines in the sand are going to be drawn and those rules are going to be written down as plain as day, black and white, no gray, that needs to be done through a legislative effort, not a bureaucratic effort. Okay, I want to sh share with you one brace that was banned for length of pole. Everywhere else, the length of pole... If, if it's over a certain amount of length of pull, that means from the trigger to the back of the, back of the brace. Mm -hmm. um, every brace ever reviewed by the ATF had the length of pull review. Or the, the line was horizontal. Mm -hmm. For this one brace, if you measure it horizontal, like every other brace they've ever done, it was well within the limits. Mm -hmm. So what did they do? They measured it uh, diagonally. Diagonally, yeah. Which, yeah, added, seen that. which added extra like width, which is not how you measure length of pull. Now did now did you're talking about the Q thing? Yeah. Okay. Did Q measure that or did the ATF measure that? Because I heard that when with that story, that was Q measuring that, not the ATF. 
No, the uh, ATF measured it uh, diagonally. I heard the picture was cute. The, the picture was cute, but they were just showing what the ATF did. How do they know the ATF did that, though? Is the question. They're, just just I, because I, the measurements come out the same? No, I can and, and then I hear that Q didn't even send the stock originally when they got approval from the ATF in the first place. That's no. not the stock Q even sent. No, Q didn't send that stock because it's then what does the measurement matter? That's my point with all of it. How how it's so messy when you throw in the I don't understand these other people in Q because Q it seems like Q has screwed the pooch on several things. And I'm not I'm not I'm not throwing Q under the bus and saying the ATF has every right to do X, Y, Z against Q, but when you screw things up, you muddy the water. And that's a situation that, unfortunately, I think Q finds itself in because how can you say, well, they measured this diagonally when you didn't even send the brace that was supposed to be measured in the first place? Because Q didn't send the brace because they licensed another brace that has been approved by the ATF. But that that if they didn't send it, then that measurement can't be made. Okay. Well, the ATF got a hold of the Honey Badger brace. And measured it. Uh, so Q didn't send the brace in, but uh, the company that they licensed it from, um, it th- that design was approved. It's just since Q licensed the design. I hear you, but approved and having it on a firearm for a measurement are two totally separate things. Approved with it out, without it being on a firearm because it could be approved. And if it's put on a firearm with a longer or shorter buffer tube or the, the receiver is made differently or any number of things can change the length of pull. So if you don't send that brace with that firearm when you go to get approval, it's not going to be measured correctly. And that's my point is all of this is so somebody screwed up somewhere oh, at, at Q and I had to have. Yeah. or or with or with. Uh, SB tactical something with the brace and the firearm thing, something there got totally screwed up that allowed the ATF in the front door in the first place. I well, wait, wait, we're here. Well, if the ATF measured it the way that they're supposed to measure it, according to their own internal documents, it's it's within it's within legality. It's it's legal. So I hear what you're saying, but at the same time. They didn't measure it legally, like the way that their internal documents well, say. They couldn't have measured it at all, is my point. If it wasn't sent with that firearm, they couldn't measure it at all. The ATF so got did there. they just did the so the, so you're telling me what you're telling me is that Q wanted approval for this pistol. So they sent the pistol to the ATF, and the ATF found a brace from wherever other source to approve that because that don't even cl- sound close to right the no. atf doesn't go out looking for parts for to help people out to get their stuff approved no. you either send in the proper stuff or you don't well the atf in order to go off the queue acquired a honey badger well of course after the fact why wouldn't you if, if you get wind of it, if you're sitting in the ATF and you say, okay, Q sent me this. It's got no brace, right? It's got a buffer tube on it. And I do the measurement. It's irrelevant. I do the measure however the heck I want. And it's irrelevant because once you put a brace on it, that measurement's obviously going to change, 
right? But Q sends it. It does not have a brace. And then I'm sitting there, and I, especially if I'm the agent that did that, and then all of a sudden I look at the Q website, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's not what was ATF approved. That's got a, some kind of weird brace on the end of it, right? then yeah, I'm going to get a hold of that and I'm going to measure it. I'm going to say, hey, this brace, if the brace, maybe the brace was designed in a way that it slid up further over the buffer tube where it didn't add any length or make it any less, maybe. I mean, there is that possibility. And maybe they said, well, maybe, it's, maybe it still complies, but we need to be sure. And then maybe they got their hands on one. But we're talking about a lot of maybes and it's, I just don't. Yeah. I don't see. I guess some of the higher level operatives or, or not operatives, but higher level uh, political minded figureheads of the ATF. I guess they could go that far, but I just don't. That's going outside the realm of what the ATF does to just do something I, I, like that. I also think that a lot of it is a personal vendetta against uh, Alex from SB Tactical. Alex Bosco. You do because what now? Alex Bosco, the president of SB Tactical, huh? the CEO of SB Tactical, when they were going to go after all, all these the SBA4, SBA3 on the industry side, Alex Bosco went to the DOJ and basically nixed that. Right. So I think a lot of it has to do with him. This is like payback. You know, hey, yeah, they're up. after him and it's just collateral damage. Everything else is collateral damage. And like I said, muddy in the water, which makes it even worse. Yeah, it's it's a very complicated situation. Because we're looking at Q. We're saying, oh, the ATF is picking on Q when actually the ATF is after SB Tactical. Yeah, they're we're, not paying, we're not paying attention to that. We're doing exactly what the ATF wants, which is paying attention to Q, not SB Tactical. I know of three other companies, and I really wish that they would come out. No I do problem. too. You you would be both because until then, I mean, I, I it's it's Q has the my, my, the water's muddy in my opinion. Yeah. I don't think Q. I think Q slipped up along the way, and Q and or SB Tactical screwed up something somewhere the way that opened a door. Right well, now, I, that's where I stand on it, and until other people come forward other businesses come forward you know it's hard to get a it's hard to take that into any other type of picture there's one company that i know and they submitted the pistol with the brace and they got um the okay for it but mm -hmm. uh, they, they want to work try to work behind the scenes with uh but do they have the same buffer tube which would have been a different or you know the same you know what i mean the same buffer tube, the same trigger even could affect the the uh, the, the, the length of pull. Well, this is not even a length of pull thing. This is, hey, we gave you a letter. You were selling this firearm. The exact configuration that you have. But now we're going to walk it back. Oh, okay. I got you. So, so I, they, I, said, they said, okay, cool at first, but then they changed. And this is another company that has yet to be named, basically. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want yeah. to be named. Um, I'll, I, I'll share it off air with you. That's fine. I, I, I'm better off not knowing because I might actually freaking say it because it's, all right, all right. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's aggravating. So I just, yeah. you know, until, I, you know, until you can say something, don't tell me. I'm fine with that. Well, I, I don't want to out the company. 
Um, yeah, I no, I understand. I understand. I just don't understand why this is. And, and like you say, maybe they're trying to work something with the NSSF and behind the scenes and amicably. And I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Yeah, I, uh, I know. The more the more problems we can solve, whether it's the ATF and Q or the ATF and these other comp- companies, or whether it's Yankee and Mr. Guns and Gear or whoever is having a problem, the more of these hatchets we can bury and get things lined out that doesn't have to go into the public eye and become a big uh, conspiracy theory, you know, mess and everything else, the better. I'm all for that. Well, so, you know, I'm okay with it. Hopefully they, they get it hammered out. I don't think they will. Well, I, you know, there's certain things though. And and this is, it's not uncommon for companies to do that. Silencer Co. Silencer Co. has been working with the ATF for years. Well, I told them, I told the company behind the scenes that the ATF has already said behind the scenes, there's no way that they're, you know, if if they're, they're going to, spare this company if if biden wins basically but if you're on the website oh i i don't i don't doubt that i don't doubt that one bit but we're in bigger trouble on a lot of other things as well yeah instead of saying hey you know we got this letter too we're not going to sell this pistol until this gets resolved they just marked it out of stock on their website which i i kind of think is a cop-out because they're they're I don't know. Sometimes I think they might be throwing their customers under the bus. It don't make no sense, man. Even the letter they sent you, it said, oh, you could take this off and put another upper on it or something. It looks like, really? That that don't even make no sense. It's like, oh, you could keep it, but you can't keep it in the configuration that Q intended it to be, basically, which is, it's messed up. But it, it goes back into the thing when we were talking about the Gun Control Act of 1968, it, it goes, and you saying earlier how FFL dealers had rules and regulations that were uh, ambiguous and arbitrary at best that were privately held and most people don't even know. It goes into all of that, that manufacturers play by a different set of rules than dealers play by a different set of rules than importers play by a different set of rules than, than who am I thinking? Distributors play by a different set of rules than uh, than the consumer. And it's, it's ridiculous that there's, you know, it's, it's bad enough that all of that's regulated. The fact that depending on where you fall into any of those categories, your set of rules is completely different. That makes no sense either. No, it doesn't. The whole, I mean, the whole ATF needs to be, I think I would like to see it go away, but if not at least restructured, I'm sure there's some good things that the ATF does. And I think if we're being a little intellectually honest, I think everybody out there is probably, you know, can, can find something uh, that, you know, but do they need to be a big, huge bloated bureaucracy to do those few good things that they do? No. Um, but I think the bigger issue that we're talking about here is the NFA. The NFA is old. People, the, the left, the anti-gunners, Democrats, even some Republicans, whatever, want to talk about things that are outdated. The NFA, with the leap in technologies and everything else that we have, the NFA, the NFA was for a specific purpose. We were, it was Great Depression, crime-ridden with gang violence, and you know, talking about gangsters actual gangsters, organized crime, this whole big, this whole big mess that was going on. 
That was a response to that particular time in this country. That doesn't apply now at all. We don't, I mean, we got organized crime now, but it's called the United States government, unfortunately. You know what I mean? Um, it doesn't apply now. So, you know, if that was challenged at some point, and I'm hopeful that we'll get a Supreme Court that may start taking some cases on dealing with the NFA. Well, there, then, there, there is a couple of cases winding their, their way through the courts that are not quite up to the Supreme Court level. But well, we got to uh, have a Supreme Court willing to take them first. Yeah, and that's the problem. Exactly. I think we might yeah. with, uh, with, uh, I think, I think if we get, uh, Jason, Amy, corndog, Barrett, 50 BMG in there, I think we'll be okay. Yeah. But, uh, they're appealing the NFA. Um, oh, I guess, uh, she's been approved. I think, I don't know. Oh, did they already? I know I heard earlier they were going to do some ramrod voting or something. Yeah, they're gonna go today. Uh, it looks we'll like see how that we'll see how that affects the elections. Boy, the spin on that's gonna be just hold on to your seats. I guess Clarence Thomas is gonna be doing the swearing in. Oh, nice. Um, but uh, there there is a challenge to the NFA because they try to say, "Yep, it's she's in." Uh, they're trying to say that um, that. Well, they are saying that the NFA violates the Constitution, which we believe, would both of us believe, but they're using the uh, Murdoch versus the state of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. No. Murdoch, I mean, I Maybe, I mean, just may not be by name. Uh, Murdoch was a Jehovah Witness that was handing out pamphlets, and Pennsylvania tried to say, hey, you need to pay this tax. Yeah. Before you can hand out pamphlets, yep. uh, the Supreme Court said you cannot put a direct tax on a right. Yep. And yep. if you look at the that NFA, case is used in a lot of different things. That case yeah. has been used in some social media stuff in the last few years, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been some it, public, it, some public square, public arena type. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so you can't put a direct tax on a right, and yet we have the NFA. Which is a direct tax on our right. Yeah, right. Well, and then, and then the whole thing with the length of this and the length of that is so arbitrary. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just, it's completely arbitrary. Like I could have a 16 inch pistol, but I can't have a 14 inch rifle. And I can't, it's, but I could have a pistol that's an inch and a half. And that's perfectly fine. I can't have a rifle that's 223, but I can have a pistol that's 50 caliber. It's like, where does it end with the all the arbitrary crap? Either it's a, you know, I understand we need certain classifications for firearms and nothing else for manufacturing purposes and, and other things. I get it. Like to say, this is a pistol. This is a, this is what defines a pistol. This is what defines a rifle. But then to turn around and go, Barrel lengths, the length of pull, the overall length, and and model eighteen different measurements into one firearm to set it in a different classification. It's ridiculous. Well, if you look at, uh, for example, the Title One by Franklin Armory, which mm-hmm. you know they sell a lot to California, it it's basically a AR with without. It's a they found the sweet spot where they can do a fully featured AR. 
without it because without it being considered a rifle because the length is such, but since it doesn't have a stock and it has a brace on it, it's not a pistol either, and it's not a rifle, so it's just a firearm. Therefore, it's not banned in California. Right. (laughs) Right. So there's a lot of stuff like that. Like it's it's too short to be a rifle, but too long to be. (laughs) It's yeah, it's the silliness, man, of of arbitrary measurements, and I mean that's the we're gonna go, you know. Yeah, like I said, the leap in technology, the the popularity, especially nowadays, of uh, of AR pistols and stuff like that. Uh, certainly, common use has been a a theme with precedent, which I don't particularly like precedent unless it's constitutionally founded. But um, uh, you know, it's certainly been a, a thing of with with precedent with uh, common use, and and I, I think it's pretty safe to say that that AR pistols are common use. So. You know, I don't know. This just arbitrary distinctions bother me. I can't stand it. And, and especially back to the original point. So we've been talking about this whole show, especially arbitrary definitions set forth by bureaucracy worry me even more. Yeah. Uh, let me, I just wanted to show you this. This right here, uh, the, the image isn't the best quality. Let me just take down that. It might help if I take this down for a second. The image of in the base, best quality, but that's not a pistol. That's not a rifle. It's not a pistol because it has the front grip and the length, and it's not a rifle because there's no stock. And therefore, Franklin Arms could sell it to California. Right. But what like, it is, what it is, is it's you know wonderful for California, I suppose. But what it is is completely stupid looking, in my opinion. Yeah, but you can put a brace on the back of that. Okay. Woohoo! Until the ATF says you can't, right? Basically. Yeah, exactly. But, like, I, I put that up there because that's not a, you know, that's neither. It's just like the uh, shockwaves. It, shock it, yeah. Wave. I, I'm not, not yeah, and, the, and the, the, I'm not saying that the arbitrary nature of the NFA doesn't allow us loopholes the same as it has allowed them loopholes. Um, but screw the arbitrary altogether, and then we don't even got to have loopholes, right? Just get away, do away with it. Who cares? Who cares yeah. what barrel length it is or this, that, and the other? Who cares? Yeah. Uh, Armor Instant Access brings up Randy Reaver. Um, you know, they, they raided his place what? and like killed his family over a fourth of an inch. Well, that's why most shotguns, I was uh, I was asked that one time, why most shotguns you see are 18 and a half. And I said, well, because the closer you get to that 18 mark, you know, 18 is the legal arbitrary length. And the closer you get to that, the more room you leave for what if, and maybe your tape measures wore out and mine's not, or whatever the case may be. So uh, go a little long and, Make sure you're in compliance that way. Or they can change the way they measure it and measure it at some type of angle. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I've I've been to, you know, what's weird is I've seen manufacturers, I've seen dealers do this. I've seen, uh, I've never seen a law enforcement officer measure anything uh, ever. But uh, 
they don't even aren't even concerned with it. I've gotten pulled over with the NFA stuff before. They ever oh you're headed to the range or whatever. They don't give a crap. Um, but then again, I'm in a different area of the world. But uh, uh, where was I going with that? I don't know. I, don't know. I forgot I where I was going to go with that. I'll, I'll go with it though. I was pulled over. I had, a, I had a brilliant point, man. Had a brilliant point, and I screwed it up. My friend got pulled over. I was in the car with him, and he's a SOT. And we had like 20 machine guns in the car. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Yeah, I got any guns in the car? So you got a concealed carry permit because it comes up on the screen. And he's like, I got 20 machine guns in the back. And the cop just like laughed. And he's like, No, I actually got 20 machine guns in the back. <laughs> and he's like, I'm an SOT. But, you know, it was kind of funny. The cop was like, Wow, I thought you were joking. He's like, No. Nope. Yeah. No, I got I got pulled over by the highway patrol one time and I was headed back. I'd went over to a friend's house and I'd had I had probably that many. I had probably twenty in there. Uh most of them were in cases, some type of case or bag or something. Uh but several of them just laid on the seat or leaned up against the seat, you know, in the back. And uh what you know, going through town, I didn't have to stop anywhere or nothing like that. So it was just from his house to mine. And uh highway patrol pulled me over and it was the same thing. He's like uh, you got to actually, he didn't even ask. Uh, he walks up, I handed my stuff and I'm like, you know, I got some firearms in here. I said, if you prefer me to s- step to the back of the vehicle, I will. And, uh, he kind of looked in and he's like, Jesus Christ, man. He said, where are you going? And I'm like, I'm headed home. I said, I said, just been over to friends. I said, we were shooting some video, you know, blah, 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 playing around with some guns. And, and he's like, yeah, he's like, go ahead and get out. And he, anyway, he got out. And I stood at the back of the truck. He did my stuff. He walked up and he's like, Hey, what is that? What was that? What's that rifle on the front and in the front seat? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, you want to take a look at it? And he's like, yeah. And we sat on the side of the road. I wasn't in a hurry to go home. We sat on the side of the road, probably 30 minutes, me showing him everything, every single, literally every single firearm in there. He was like, what is that? Let me see that. Um, you know, yeah, he was curious about it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's all in your, a lot of that has to do with your, obviously where you live at, you know, certain places, certain law enforcement officers are going to be on pins and needles all the time or whatever, but it also has a lot to do. I've been pulled over in places that is, is not around here. It's not my, you know, my home area. Uh, and your attitude has a lot to do with it. I mean, law enforcement officers, they take classes to, to identify fishy people and mannerisms and twitchiness and stuff like that. And a lot of times they can tell if you're, yeah, you know, you're just a normal guy trying to do your thing. They they get that vibe a lot of times. So just be just just act normal. You know, if that's the case, just act normal and be truthful with them. Hey, yeah, I got a whole car full of stuff. I, I <laughs> you know, used to fly twice, from the range. I used to fly twice a week. I worked in New York, so I most of the time I used to I would fly up on Monday morning and fly back on on Friday afternoon. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I I had the longest ass commute in the world. That's you know from DC to Manhattan, so I would fly, and I'm definitely afraid of flying. So I'll you know I I get really really nervous when I fly. Mm-hmm. I was on a plane that was getting ready to take off. We we're going down the runway, and uh, it cut off, and like we rolled to a stop. So ever since then, I'm like, wow. oh my god. So you know, minutes away from dying, probably seconds away from dying. So ever since then, I'm afraid of flying because of that. But I had, I still fly a lot. Because you know, don't let fear stand in your way or whatever that crap is. Sure. Um, so I get 
randomly selected all the time. Even though I got like the uh, you know the pre pass and stuff, the you know the T TSA pre, where you go through like the fast lane and stuff like that, and you don't have to take off your shoes or jackets. But I still get randomly selected all the time because I'm nervous, and they look for that. They, you know, they're like this guy's nervous, so whatever. All right, man, we've been on for over an hour. I want to thank you for coming on. I wasn't going to do a podcast today. But I just, I've been like getting killed. Election time is my busy season. I understand. Um, I got some interviews coming out with some senators and candidates and stuff like that. So I'm been... trying to knock, the, knock this crap out. So um, it was uh, at the last time, um, at the last minute, I was like, man, I need a break from this. So instead of working on my articles, I was like, I can get this knocked out fast. And <laughs> I need to do some writing myself. Poor gear-report.com. I haven't wrote written anything for them for a while and I got to I've got to get back in that swing. I've been working on some other stuff with the YouTube channel and behind the scenes and stuff like that. I got to get back to the writing. I really enjoy it. Um but it's a little more intellectually involved, I should say, yeah. writing is than than the video thing. So I have to do it uh, every day. <laughs> I feel you. So, uh, it's, it's kind of, especially when you get writer's block, man, it's just like, oh, so I, I know how it feels. Well, thankfully, when you're writing review stuff and all of that, uh, it is, uh, I usually do two or three articles at one time, and I don't have to worry about writer's block too much because I'm jump, I've am i got a flow and a format to it. And so I jump back and forth between articles <laughs> as my brain is processing certain thoughts about whichever one it is. Yeah, uh, most and, just, and just plugging that information in, and eventually, uh, that's why you'll see over there when I bang out the the articles and reviews, uh, it's like two or three come at once almost. It's because I work on literally two or three at one time to kind of keep the uh, keep the squirrels in my head organized, so to speak. Yeah, most of the time I get document dumps, and I, then I find all this interesting stuff. I'm like, well, you know, I got to yeah. write about it, but yeah. I can't. I got to put it in like. A some some sort of order. If I had to come up with the order, and I just can't be like, hey, you know. Sometimes I wish I can just like just dump all the documents. There might be a project that I'm working on where I can just dump documents in anyone right. I want to write about. No, sir, that's a project I am going to work on. It's right. going to be like a, a nonprofit that just gets all this information and just puts it into a database, a searchable database, so you can go in there, you can search on it. Oh, I want to write an article about this. Oh, here's some leaked documents. Kind of like a WikiLeaks but for gun stuff. And for like lawyer, like other gun rights organizations can go and look up different things. If they have a case, they can look up different things and pull up that. So the project that's coming down the road, out down the line, uh, probably in a year, because that takes a lot of uh, effort, organization, getting lawyers on board, and it's a pain. Mm -hmm. Right. It's coming. Kind of expensive too, so super chats will help out with that. <laughs> joke. But yeah, so but I want to thank you for coming on. You bet, man. Always fun. And I want to thank everyone out there. Um, and uh, Clover, stick with me for one second. I'll be right back. Once I hit the damn button. <laughs>